It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. And we're brought to you by EY, building a better working world. It's Halloween week here in Jets land. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about as I welcome in my co-host, former Jet linebacker, Bart Scott. Bart, you like our Halloween set and decorations here for Halloween week? I like that. I see behind there that you have purple illuminated, a very scary color. Looks like a little amethyst. I'm just happy that it wasn't orange because i wouldn't want anybody around there being afraid of the color orange being that the Bengals are coming into town we should attack our fears and tame those little tigers see you get the psychology of it that's why you are who you are that's why there was no orange you see you got to do a little gamesmanship little strategy here going into game week but we got plenty of time to talk about the Bengals game upcoming. We got to rewind first a little bit to what was an uneventful performance, unfortunately, for the Jets yesterday in Foxborough. 54 to 13 was the final. They dropped to one in five, taking a tough one against the New England Patriots. And I guess, you know, for starters, when you look at a performance like that, you never want to encounter one of those on a Sunday. But maybe even more disappointing, Bart, is that it happens off of a bye week where they took steps back, tried to correct some of the mistakes that plagued them the first quarter of the season, yet they came out and had a performance that you don't want to remember. Well, well when you talk about that and having an off week, you know, sometimes you 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 get out of a groove and you come out lackadaisical or sometimes you come out flat. You hear that a lot because the teams that have been playing football are still rolling. They're, they're fresh. The blood's been going. They've been in game competition. And this was Robert Sala and this Jets, this new edition of the Jets, first um, introduction to what it's like and how how crazy it can be to go against Bill Belichick because I'm sure that they looked at a lot of film of the first matchup and understanding that what Bill does is it's never the same two um, game plans two times in a row because he wants to use your preparation away. So I'm not going to say that the Jets wasn't prepared. They just weren't prepared for the right game plan, and they struggled to be able to make the necessary adjustments to kind of take advantage or see what was going on. Understanding that without C.J. Mosley, how many times have we talked about it early in this season about C.J. Mosley saving their butts on screen passes, right. even the ones that they were – you know, uh, struggling with, and they gave up big plays even with CJ. But now what happens is you have converted safeties that's in the box who are never used to understanding kind of how the feel of it is because screens and draws are a feel thing. It's not so much where the pitcher is determined for you immediately. You have to kind of feel what's happening. As a defensive line, you have to feel, this guy ain't really trying to block me. I know I'm good, but I'm not that damn good, right? Retrace my steps. And what did he do? He didn't hit him with a screen from a running back initially. He hit him with a screen from a tight end. And that's something that nobody's used to seeing unless you're used to understanding the personnel and going against a, a, a tight end that have done that to you multiple times. So now you got young guys in the middle of the box. You got the blind leading the blind. And then the injuries start to mount up. So once their injuries mount up, guys are just trying to make sure that they can get lined up and do their job. They can't alert people about what they see to what to anticipate in their job. And then the screens and draws just continue to kill them. You let a guy like Bolden, who is a special teams player, you know, lead the team in receiving because of the linebackers, right? This is something that has to fall on squarely on the shoulders of the young linebackers. 
hopefully against the Cincinnati Bengals, they'll have Mosley back. They'll have Davis, and they'll have guys that can understand and feel and be able to also understand three by one what that means. Formation is what it means. When a running back kind of hesitates and kind of acting like he's lost and feeling his way through, that that's not a protection. That's his trying to fill his way through to get you to run up the field so he can turn around behind you and throw it over your head. You know, a lot of these running backs are bad actors, and you have to be able to have seen a bad movie to recognize when a guy's acting bad and they just didn't have the experience at the linebacker position to be able to figure that out there. It was like the perfect storm, like to you, you know, to your point. I mean, we were even talking about it yesterday in the pregame show before we even kicked this thing off, knowing that CJ Mosley wasn't going to be there, knowing that you were going to have a lot of inexperienced players, talented players, but inexperienced nonetheless. And going up against a team like the Patriots with Belichick and Josh McDaniels, and they've been together for so long and knowing how to scheme against teams like that and so on and so forth, to your point, they came up with a formula that was able to expose the Jets and put some of the defense in situations that led to big plays for new england and you know the injuries as you said took a hold during the game as well so you came in shorthanded then you lose guys like jamie and sherwood during the game and unfortunately jamie and sherwood uh suffered an achilles injury and he's going to be lost for the rest of the season which is yeah. unfortunate for a young player blake cashman goes down with an injury quincy williams goes into the concussion protocol you heard robert salas say at the end of the game bart by the fourth quarter, they were Robert Sala's words were they were running out of humans. That's what it came to yeah. at linebacker. They just they were down seven, eight deep on the depth chart, it seemed like from opening day, just trying to get enough guys out on the field to finish the game. Yeah, and that's that's football, right? That's why next man up mentality is really what we're talking about because that was an opportunity for Phillips or somebody to step up and say, Hey, I can change my stripes. And that's when you never know what's going to happen. And when you see it happening before you, if you didn't prepare during the week, if you just worried about what your job was and not understanding that your first job is to know the defense. The second is to do all the other stuff. I understand if you're a special team player and it's just a hard spot to put a young quarterback in. Right. So we, we call that death by a thousand paper cuts. It wasn't because they, it wasn't a physical thing. It was a mental thing. They were out scheme and they were, you know, they, they, they were out uh, thought. And, you know, that those are the ones that hurt the most because it's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing. And what these young players are going to figure out in this league, that it's 80% mental in this league, not about physical. Everybody's big. Everybody's strong. Everybody can run. Everybody does something extremely well. But how do you understand what's happening to you, why it's happening to you, so you can correct it? Because if you correct it on Monday, which when they're watching the film today, oh, man, oh, man, the center did go the same way as the running back. That's a big indication that it's a, that it's a screen. But, man, my eyes were bad. I was looking at the guard, my play side guard and the running back. I didn't see the center. You have to see all that. And those are the keys that you're taught and is beaten into you as a kid. I've been hearing those same things since I was eight years old. But what happens is when you have converted safeties in the box, they've never heard that before. They've never seen it. And football doesn't change. It's just its execution, and it gets faster. It doesn't change as far as its complexities, right? You know, these are the same plays, screen draws, tight end screen, been ran ever since everybody has been playing football. They've all seen them. But what happens is when you get when you get panicked and you don't really confident and you're learning a new language and you're playing a new position, all the things that are clear and obvious to you isn't clear and obvious to you anymore. 
You know, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball, and certainly the big takeaway is the injury to Zach Wilson, something you never want to see happen. Your franchise quarterback, rookie quarterback in this case, he goes down in the second quarter, absorbs a couple of hits really in a three-play span there, and then he's unable to get up from that second one. The good news is is that it's not season-ending. It's a sprained PCL, so it's going to be two to four weeks. You're yeah. going to go at least the next couple of games here likely with Mike White. And give Mike White a lot of credit for like a guy Mike that White wasn't – Right. I mean, a guy who wasn't getting first team reps, a guy who was working primarily with the scout team, really had no game experience as an NFL quarterback. I thought he came in yesterday and all things considered, Bart, I think he distinguished himself pretty well. Now he is going to be the guy, at least for the next couple of games. Zach, Zach Wilson can learn a lot from Mike White. Mike White was getting the ball out on time. The offensive line held up because he didn't panic and, and run to the edges of the offensive line where your offensive line is pushing the pass rushers. He stayed in the pocket. And, yeah, he threw a couple of interceptions. But I tell you what, he moved the offense efficiently. He moved them up and down the field. And I think that, you know, he, he accounted himself very well. And, you know, sometimes we saw this with Sam Darnold. The best thing that ever happened to him was to get a couple of weeks off so you can get it from a different perspective. And that's going to have to be Zach Wilson's, you know, um, rainbow. That's got to be his glass half full because this is a setback. And, of course, he would like to be out there. But how fortunate are you that you don't have to go to Joe Burrow route where you have to rehab and, and, and tear ACL? You're going to have an opportunity to watch and also – you know, watch from the sidelines and watch Joe Burrow, who's a second-year guy, and how efficient and how quickly he gets the ball out of his hands, how he gives the ball to Mixon when he reads zone. He gives it to his running backs immediately and allows them to do the work, right? And that's what I saw Mike White doing. He was giving the running backs the ball, and they were getting first downs. He moved the ball 200 yards, and if they would would have been able, I know you don't want to say if whenever you're talking about football, but if they were able, if they would have been able to get the first down, if they would have hit the field goal, those are different ball games. And what I do like is he threw the, throw the ball up when he recognized man-to-man uh, coverage, and he threw the ball up to, to um, Denzel Mims and Denzel Mims. And Denzel Mims almost made a couple of big plays. And I think that's the threat that you need because it's either going to end in a pass interference or it's going to end in a completion. And I think if they get a little bit more chemistry, I like Elijah Moore in the slot. They need to do more of that. Because getting his just getting the ball in his hands and getting him in space is a better way than trying to get him on the outside where he's only five eight five nine. But guess what? The farther he gets down the field, the smaller he gets. So I like him inside where he's still a friendly guy that you can get the ball to, and it's a guy that he's his target can be a little bit bigger than if you put him outside the numbers. So I think that you know they should be able to lean to that, and they have to try and get this run game going. Listen, they have to figure out a way how to put up points in the first quarter because it's starting to get a little bit concerning and it's putting their team in a tremendous hole that's going to be difficult week in and week out for them to get out of. No doubt about that. They still haven't scored a point in the first quarter. Those were things that they said were going to be a priority to work on during the bye week. It didn't manifest itself certainly in the first game off the bye. They'll see if they could change that in Cincinnati. But you're right. You can't dig yourself that much of a hole. You can't be down 17 nothing, you know, before you blink pretty much. And that's what's happened here the last couple of games. But you make a good point on Mike White. I mean, when Mike White takes over for Zach Wilson there in that second quarter, he throws that one deep down towards the end zone. Keelan Cole gets tangled up with one of the DBs. Pass interference penalty. Jets have a goal-to-go situation, and a couple of plays later, he hits Corey Davis for the touchdown. So those are just as good enough, just as good as completed plays. Yeah. If you're going to throw a pass down the field and you're going to draw a flag off of it, it was as if the play was caught anyways. Yeah, you look at it, right? He, he threw for 200 yards, correct? Add the penalty yards to that. That's like 250. 
that's a solid day. I mean, we're yep. talking about we're talking about Kyler Murray. In three quarters. Two, right. We're talking about Kyler Murray threw for 268, and we're about to hand him an MVP. And listen, I know it's a big difference between Kyler and White, but my point is you have to give the guys to get an opportunity to have explosive plays. You're not going to be successful if you have to go on 13, 14 play drives. You got to get some easy scores. You got to get some easy scores. And on the defense side of the ball, they gave up easy scores on gadgets, understanding that those things happen. But you have to be able to, to be able to get them on your side and on offensive end as well. This is Inside the Jets, presented by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. You know, speaking of Mike White, after the game yesterday, Bart, he caught up with Bob Wachuz, and let's take a listen to that. Well, Mike, that's tough sledding. I mean, to come in and make your NFL debut without even getting the number one reps during week in practice against the Bill Belichick defense, I, I know you did your best. How do you think you fared? Uh, I think we started off, like you said, it's tough, but that's the NFL. That's life. So we started off well. I think we moved the ball down the field fairly well all game. It's just we got. I personally got to stay within myself and, and play within the system, and I think there was a couple – couple of plays where I tried to do too much and tried to make it all back with one throw. So uh, overall, I, I like what I did out there. I think we did some good things to build upon. But uh, like Coach Shala hinted to in the locker room, this is where adversity will hit and we're about to find out who we are as a team. Is that what he said? I was going to ask you what the message was from the head coach and even the team leaders in the locker room after a game like that. Yeah, it's just adversity. It's we got to we got to come out better. We got to learn from it. We got to keep keep working our butts off and, and keep stacking good days on good days and and just just it's the NFL. Life's life's hard. We just got to we got to adjust and, and work our work our butts off. The NFL though is about injuries, but then injuries creating opportunities. So if Zach Wilson is gone for any period of time, I would think this is your team moving forward. What about that potential opportunity for you? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what's up with Zach when when we hear all the 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 tests and things of that nature. But uh, right now, my my mindset is going in tomorrow and, and going over the film with my coaches and and preparing for for Cincinnati as as I would any other week. And I would watch the same amount of film that I that I well, I watch to try to help prepare Zach. And and we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But right now, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to uh, look too far ahead from from the days. Just Monday, watch film, get better, and, and go from there. Well, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. And best of luck. If it is your team next week, we'll be excited to watch you play. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob, and thanks a lot to Mike White. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. Dan Grosset chatting, of course, with Bart Scott. And, Bart, you know, you've had teammates over the years and teams where starting quarterback goes down and then it is on to the backup, and it is going to be his team for however many games that is. How much can a backup quarterback gain from being anointed the guy and then getting the first team reps in practice going into a game? I mean, those are your opportunities, right? So you talk about getting rhythm and establishing rhythm. A lot of the guys that he probably has rhythm with is Mims because that's why he probably threw the ball to him because he's comfortable because he's working the second team. And you look at some of the guys like Cole, he's going to have chemistry with Cole because that's kind of who he works with the most. And then he has to try and, of course, establish some chemistry with Crowder and Davis because those are going to be the guys that's going to be on the field for the most part. So it's about being able to get comfortable and, like he said, stand within himself, not trying to do too much, not trying to be a hero, allowing the guys that have done it a little bit longer than you 
to kind of be able to make the plays for you and trust that they are trusting their abilities and give them good balls where they can continue to run in stride and make big plays for you. And eventually the game will slow down enough where you can start taking those shots, getting the team out of in and out of bad plays, understanding, you know, checking the runs to the opposite side away from the overloaded side. And it's a progression, right? So right now you can't try and skip the steps. You got to crawl before you can walk. You got to walk before you can run. You got to run before you can glide. You know, we're going to talk to Elijah Moore coming up here in just a little bit, but it was good to see him finally get in the end zone yesterday. His first NFL touchdown. There were so many expectations for this guy when the Jets drafted him, and he's only begun to really scratch the surface of what he is capable of doing in this offense. And look, yesterday's touchdown was on an end around in the running game. It wasn't even a, a reception for him using his speed to be able to impact this offense. Just find ways to get the football in his hand. It could only help this unit moving forward. I mean, you have to listen. Sometimes we, we we see a young guy come in and he looks like he can handle everything. And a young guy isn't going to tell you that, hey, this is a bit much because they want they don't want to disappoint. But the fact that you put him in a familiar place where it's nothing but natural instincts, where he's not having to read coverages, he just put the ball in his hand and say, hey, take it to the pay dirt. You're giving him opportunity to do what he's comfortable in doing. And you have to give him more opportunities to do that. That's why I said that him being in a slot is the most natural place because that's when you talk about why you got him. You got him because what he did in the slot at Ole Miss. So why not put him back where he's comfortable and grow his package from there opposed to moving him outside where it's foreign and he's learning on the job? No doubt about that, and we'll see what type of adjustments are going to be made and if there is going to be any tweaking here with some of the assignments in the weeks to come. When we come back, the aforementioned Elijah Moore is going to join us right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Grasso with you. It's time now for our player guest segment brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And we're pleased to be joined today by Jets rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore, who's nice enough to give us some time here on Inside the Jets. Elijah, Dan Grassa, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you guys for having me. Always appreciate the time, Elijah. Obviously, yesterday, a tough one up in Foxborough against the Patriots. 24 hours afterwards, I know you want to put one like that out of your system, but are there positives that you're able to draw from a tough game like that yesterday? Yeah, of course. You know, after watching the film and everything, there was a lot of plays, you know, that was – you know, positive and we can definitely learn from, you know, the whole, the whole game wasn't really a negative, you know, despite the score, there's always things that we can learn from. It's never a loss, always a lesson. You're always still in the learning mode because you're still a rookie, right? This is your first season. Now you only have a handful of games underneath your belt. Is that how you're approaching each and every time you step out on the field on Sundays? Of course. I mean, that's, that's one thing I think where most people, you know, like kind of mess up rookie vet. You're always learning no matter what. You know, you're never not learning. There's always something you can always do to get, you know, to get better or something that you that you really didn't know before. So you always keep your learning cap on, man. You keep it pushing. Is that something that you try to convey to a lot of your teammates? Because after all, I think most people that follow the team realize this is a very young group. It's one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. So that learning is there for probably so many guys on this team. Is that something that you guys talk about collectively? Of course. You know, just throughout the building and really just not even just on our team. You know, I even talk with other, with other players and other teams as well. And, you know, we that's something that we always speak about. You know, you're always constantly learning. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie, if you're a 10-year vet. There's things that 
Crowder comes up to me and says that he's still learning now, you know. So just always, always having that approach, I feel like you could really never go wrong because once you feel like you, you, you know, you figure it all out is when you really, you know, I feel like you drop the ball. You know, one individual achievement happened in that game yesterday, and that was you collecting your first touchdown in the National Football League there on the end around. How was that moment for you personally? And you still have the football. What are you going to do with it? No, nah, it was definitely a blessing, man. You know, despite the the loss and everything like that, I, it was my first time, you know, getting to the end zone, touching that paint. My uh, One of my close friends in the facility, Armando, said he's going to get it, you know, going to dress the ball up, make, make it all nice for me, you know, so I can keep it at home. So it's definitely something I'm going to treasure forever. Shout out to Armando. Definitely. That'll be pretty cool there once it happens. And I mean, look, you're going to have a lot more probably coming your way. And that's what Jet fans hope for. How have the first handful of games been for you to start the season? I know you've battled some injury concerns. You had the concussion as well. So your rookie season has had a little bit of start and stop to it. But how have you been able to manage it all going through this experience for the first time? I always say, you know, what's a what's a story without obstacles? You know, you never it's never as perfect as you think. It's never as bad as you think, you know, so you just take it with a grain of salt. You know, I move, I move forward. It's not really what I pictured in my head going and stuff like that, but obstacles always come. That's, that's what I signed up for the day. I said I wanted to come to the end, you know, to the NFL. So it hasn't been exactly what I pictured and painted, but man, I'm learning a lot. I'm in the NFL. I'm blessed. I'm, you know, I'm healthy. I'm around like a, a great team, a great staff, great teammates, you know, so that's all I can ask for. You know, we're just a building process. Talking to Elijah Moore here on Inside the Jets. Now, I'm sure you hear it from a lot of fans and whatnot. You know, you open a lot of eyes during the offseason, of course. You had yourself a very good summer into training camp. And, you know, there was a lot of excitement for what you were going to bring to this team. And you haven't had the opportunities necessarily here in the first few games to make that mark like the fans would hope, though. How have you managed to be able to deal with maybe some frustrations not contributing as much as you would like so far here to the team? It's not really frustrated. I wouldn't say like having frustration. You know, everybody wants the ball. Everybody wants to win. But you gotta know like time, time and building comes with that. And then me, with me being a man of faith, a man, a man of God, I don't question God for anything. That's that's something that I'm learning through every day. You know, um, having having faith is just something that is an on, is an ongoing process. And what I'm learning to hopefully one day perfect, which probably will never happen. But you know, I'm just putting you know my next foot in front of the other and. You know, just handling what I can handle on my side, you know, making sure I'm working hard. I'm putting the time to where I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm trying to build, chemi you know, chemistry, be a, be a good person. And whenever you do those things, I feel like nothing can go wrong. You know, you look at some of the other receivers that you share that receiver room with, you know, veterans like Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, Braxton, you name it. You know, they've been where you're at right now. They were a rookie once upon a time. How have you been able to lean on them? And what's some of the best advice that they've given you here as you're embarking on your NFL career? Man, I asked them so many questions. You know, we all talk all day. And it's really one of my major blessings that, you know, I'm very grateful for. Is having those dudes in there, you know, to share their, you know, experiences and to really just give me insight on what it's like just to keep to keep going, because that's more of it all. You know, it's just to keep going. Um, if you don't give up, you know, I feel like nothing really can stop us. You know, so that's one thing that they always tell me, just keep going. So I'm going to fall to where exactly where it should be. You know, one of the negatives in the game yesterday, of course, was Zach going down to the injury. It sounds like he's going to miss a couple of weeks. He's a rookie. You're a rookie. I'm sure you guys sh share that bond, both being first-year players. 
What was that like for you to see your buddy there go down with an injury that at the time looked like it could be potentially serious? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely something scary. You know, Zach is a big piece of not just our offense, but of our team. You know, his energy, his 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 just will just to keep to keep going, to keeps everybody up. You know, he's always a positive dude and that's someone that you always want around you. And um, you know, to have him go down definitely wasn't something that was good. But it's always next man up. You know, he even said the same, you know, like it was Mike White's turn to 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 finish what you know what he what he started. So I feel like when when you have a guy like a guy like that, you know, who just thinks positive and always moves when you know in the best interest of not just himself but but the team, you're in no better position, you know. So I'm definitely grateful for him. It was sad to see him go down, but spoke with him today. I know he's gonna be all right. And, you know, you brought up Mike White. I think Mike White, all things considered, did a really nice job for the team yesterday because, you know, he's not getting as many of the first team reps during the week in practice. And to come off the bench cold like that yesterday against the New England Patriots team in their building, I think all things considered, he did a pretty decent job here. And moving forward, now he's going to be the guy, at least for the next couple of weeks. How much work have you gotten to have with Mike White up until now? And what are you excited about now working with him for the next couple of games? No, it's definitely an opportunity. You know, um, like you said, he hasn't really got much like first team reps, but just seeing how he moves and how he approaches practice like he already does, nobody's really, you know, worried. You know, it's always like that. Football brings obstacles, but you don't you don't let it bring you down. You know, so you get you know, you stick positive through it all. And even after the game, man, Mike was just someone who, you know, left the game with a smile on his face. I think he was just, you know, really just blessed to have that opportunity. And we would love to work with someone who Every day come comes in and grinds and puts his best foot his best foot forward. So I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, when you look back again to that game yesterday, certainly not the result that anybody on the team would have wanted, but especially coming off of the bye week where you had a chance to maybe recharge, get away from football a little bit. Coaches talked about working on some things that would maybe benefit the team moving forward. To have that type of a game yesterday, how surprising was that for you, especially coming off the bye, that you thought some of maybe the earlier errors would be corrected instead of maybe just getting exposed a little bit more? I mean, like I said, you know, football brings obstacles. No game's going to be perfect, you know, so I don't really look at it as like, oh, man, I wasn't expecting this. You know, I feel like when you go into a game, you should have answers for everything, you know, and I feel like, you know, the Patriots did a, be uh, a better job capitalizing with that, but more than 100% positive that moving forward, we're going to be ready. So, All right, Elijah, hang tight. We want to have more with you. Stick around here. More Inside the Jets with Elijah Moore right here, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Dan Grasso joined by Jets first-year wideout Elijah Moore. Rookie season, handful of games already played. Have you had a welcome to the NFL moment yet for yourself? Yeah, definitely already. I was I would say it Jet Sweet Bronco game got hit. I was like, okay, them boys really running <laughs> as fast as me. Like on these out on the outside. So and really just in practice too, man. Just seeing how our line our linebackers and linemen and just everybody moves. You know, I'll catch a ball over the middle and usually I can make moves and get away, but you better make one move and go because then people behind you coming too. So yeah, man, I've definitely had that moment. <laughs> 
Right, and, and, you know, you came from Ole Miss, which is the SEC, which is certainly one of the best college football conferences in all the country, if not the best here. So you got a lot of really good talent there. But here in the NFL, as you said, everybody is a pro. Everybody deserves to be at this level. And it's probably a little bit eye-opening, even for somebody as accomplished as yourself and all the things that you've already achieved in this game. You step out onto the field on Sundays, everybody deserves to be here, right? Of course. Yeah, man. That's, that's something that was – list i was definitely told that and really came to fruition in front of me and really in practice man so that that statement is very much true all right let's go back earlier in your life earlier in your career playing football how did you get involved playing football how old were you and when did you know that you know what i'm pretty darn good at this and i think i could maybe do it for a living one day i was six years old um i hated football i love basketball and my brother used really and yeah he used to tell me to stand in front of the yard and, like, get hit and try to tackle him. And I used to hate it. I used to cry. He used to <laughs> run me over and stuff like that. So then one day I went to try out because he was playing. And I just realized I was faster than everybody else. And then I ain't really know nothing, though. And then my second year I had this girl coach. Shout out to Coach Kelly. Um, she um, told me to get get the ball and run as fast as I can to the outside. And I scored, I started scoring like a whole bunch of touchdowns. I thought it was fun. And I started realizing that I could really, if I tried, like they couldn't touch me, you know? So I thought that, I thought that game was fun. And then probably when I was in high school, man, um, my first game on varsity, um, I scored like five touchdowns and they like, I was like, okay, I think I can really do this, you know? And then I started hearing what offers was and stuff like that. I had no clue. I was just playing to have fun. And um, I started realizing that, and then I started taking it real, real serious, you know, putting in a lot of work. And I, and I was kind of always obsessed with, like, grinding. You know, I loved working out. Everybody right. in Florida, like, that's kind of our thing. That's what we do. You know, that's how I express myself. You know, I, I don't sit on the game all day. I'm going to go work out, you know. So doing stuff like that always put more clarification on, okay, I, I love this. So that's what I can say. And then it became a passion of yours. Okay, so five touchdowns, first game with the varsity in high school, which is not too shabby, obviously. Nobody could catch when you were a kid, but you said basketball was like your first love, and you played yeah. basketball all through high school. Tell me about your hoops game. I got to know more about this. Nah, I wasn't really just a hooper. You know, I realized I wasn't going to be six forever in height. Um, so I just really loved the movie Like Like Mike with uh, Bow Wow. So, Little Bow Wow, yeah. Yeah, so I used to watch that like all the time, like, tell my mom replay every day every day every day so i was just obsessed with basketball michael jordan i had the michael jordan shoes on stuff like that so i hated football because like i didn't really know nothing about it so much so my brother really was the one who really got me into it and did you you played basketball in high school too no i did not because it was like oh, i went to high school to where it was it was kind of business you know it wasn't really like it was like a mini college like saint thomas is like a mini college you know you get so many blessings around you know we had like a top-notch campus and you really had to tap in with football you couldn't really it wasn't too many people playing too many other you know sports so it was basically almost like college before college to a certain degree yeah. and it kind of prepared you right when you went on to Ole Miss and you know talk about your journey to, to uh down to Ole Miss there down in Oxford and you talk about the SEC and the type of schools and the players that you're going up against there on Saturdays I would think that the playing in the SEC coming out of that conference that's as good of a crash course as you're going to get as terms of what life in the NFL is going to be like for who you're facing each and every week right 100 percent uh 
looking back at it, you know, I wouldn't change it for nothing. You know, just being in the SEC, going against the Bamas, going against the, you know, the Tennessees and all those type of schools and stuff like that, man. And just every SEC school, Auburns and stuff, really just, you know, prepare you, you know, for exactly what the position I'm in now. You know, it wasn't really a shock, but the best thing about all that and my whole approach really growing up was I wanted to be around that. You know, I didn't want to go to a mm -hmm. school. You know, to where maybe the talent wasn't as, because I wanted no no excuses. I'm already a little guy, you know, and stuff like that. So, whoever's the best, you know, I want I, I want to play and I want to go against them. You know, to where there's no question that I belong. You know, if anything, it's just more clarification for myself that I'm doing the right things that need to be done. Absolutely, measure yourself against the best. Nothing wrong with that. All right, so you're from Florida. You go to school at Ole Miss. Now here you are in the tri-state area up north, big city, playing for the New York Jets. What are your thoughts so far on New York City, the surrounding tri-state area? Are you growing accustomed to it? Oh, 100%. Man, I love it out here. Um, I say it all the time. I'm grateful no matter what, despite how everything's going, what people think it is. Like, I'm blessed to be here. You know, I love being in New York. This is where my family's from. You know, I get, I get to see a little bit of how they grew up and stuff like that. And I'm just learning every day. You know, I love being around here. The people around here is great. It's a big it's a big city. I'm just grateful to be, you know, playing with the Jets and being and being around this type of people. So your family's from up here. Is that what you said? They're they're from up yeah. here? Yeah, my parents. Now did you your parents are from up here? Did, did you ever come up before as a kid or anything like that? Yeah, but when I was real, real young, so I kind of don't remember anything. You don't remember it too well. What about I know you're locked in on football all the time, 24-7. You're trying to make yourself better and that sort of thing. But you have to have that balance in your life. What does Elijah Moore like to do when you have an off day, for example, some time away from the facility, just to clear your mind from the work and everything? What do you like to do for fun? Man, sleep is very important. So I'll probably say sleep a little bit. But um, I, I play Madden here and there. You know, if we if we trying to run some bets or something. But I, I play Madden. <laughs> Really you playing with part, yourself? Part of my family. You playing with yourself in Madden? Have you have you played with Elijah Moore and the Jets in the game? Is that what you do? I'm gonna be real. I have a couple of times, but I do like my like my creative player. Right. So I really, what is I that really like? That what what is that like though? Tell me what that's like. You're you're a kid. You're probably playing Madden your whole life. Playing as your favorite NFL player, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, you pop in that game one day, and you get to choose Elijah Moore, wide receiver, New York Jets, and you play as him. I mean, that's got to be like an out of this world moment, is it not? I don't think there's like words created that can like express that. You know, especially growing up, especially when we where I'm from, Florida. That's like all our dreams. You know, this is something that not just me, but thousands and thousands and thousands of kids always wanted, you know, so I, I do it for them. You know, I, I'm grateful that I'm in the position to have the opportunity. So every every time I look at it and think about it and, then, you know, hear it and hear it and stuff like that, like even just hearing my name that I made it this far, you know, I can't thank God enough. It's something that like words really can't, you know, you know, express. No doubt about that. Well, Elijah, look, I really appreciate you setting aside some time, especially off that tough loss on Sunday. Best of luck the rest of the season, starting, of course, with the game this week coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. And always appreciate your time, my friend, and thanks for hopping on. Blessings. Thank you. All right. That's Jets wide receiver Elijah Moore. Still got a lot more to do here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world.
And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. And Inside the Jets is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code GREEN for a special offer when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So yesterday, when you look around the league, Bart, there were six teams that had buys, so you didn't have as many games on the slate. A lot of them ended up being blowouts. One of them that ended up being a lopsided affair involved the team that the Jets are going to see next. That's the Cincinnati Bengals, who went into Baltimore yesterday and just absolutely smashed the Ravens, who everybody was going gaga over here. And if you're a Jet fan, you look at Cincinnati and you look at the lumps that they've had to take over the years to finally get to the point where they look like it's all coming together. It's going to be a dangerous opponent coming into MetLife Stadium on Sunday, to say the least. Are they playing with tremendous confidence? And this is a team that should have beaten the Green Bay Packers if their kicker could just line one up. They had multiple right. opportunities. But you talk about this is a team that's been in their program, and you know their offensive line is playing better. And listen, you're going to see some things. I don't know how they're going to choose to attack the Jets, but I guarantee you, you talk about Joe Mixon and being able to get screens. You talk about you know the tight end it, 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 Guzma, Zuma. You know, he's going to find a way to, 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 to get some type of screens because until you stop it in this league, you're going to see it repeated. And, you know, it was a lot of uh, what we call jumbo. Some people call it 13 personnel, three tight ends, two tight ends. They're going to try and bludgeon you. And Joe Burrow is as good as advertised. He's a budding star. He's a guy that in the next couple of years, I think, will be considered a top five quarterback. And, oh, by the way, Jamar Chase only is on pace for 3,000 yards receiving. You talk about, and, you know, he, remember he couldn't catch in preseason? Well, right yep. now he has 729 yards receiving. Listen, he's three. He's less than 300 yards, you know, to 1,000 in eight games. I mean, no receivers come in this league. I can't remember a guy having this type of effect since Randy Moss. Now, Justin Jefferson came in and balled out, but this is on a whole nother level as well. But guess what? It's not just him. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. So they're going to have their hands full from an offensive standpoint. But defensively, I know Carl Lawson used to be there, but they went and they, they, they signed Trey Henderson, and, and, and who led the league in sacks last year, and he hasn't slowed down. He shows that he can take his show on the road and still be that same guy that he was in New Orleans. DJ Reader, you know, they, the list goes on and on. And they have probably two of the best safeties in the game. We talk about Von Bell. You talk about Jeremy Bates. A lot of people don't know about Jeremy Bates right now. But just like they didn't know about Simmons in, in Denver, he is one of the best safeties in the game, period. So forget about not really recognizing the name because he's played in a, in a part of Ohio where nobody has paid attention to. But they're coming to try and double down and try and increase that lead as Baltimore is going to be on the break. So now you're going to have a team that's playing for a lot and a team that feels like they've been disrespected and you know, looked over, and they're out for blood, and unfortunately the Jets are on their way. So they're going to have, have a great week of practice. Hopefully Davis and, and Mosley is back, and they can be able to have their impact players because I think that unlocks the, the, the defensive line when those two guys will be back and Marcus May can be back because it's going to be all hands on deck. You're going to have to stop that run with a light box because it's going to take a lot of defensive backs and personnel to be able to slow down what the – Bengals can potentially present from a wide receiver standpoint. No doubt about it. And look, I'm as surprised as anybody that it's all come together as fast as it has for this team. Remember, Joe Burrow was coming off a pretty serious injury that he had to rehab all offseason. I, I thought there may be some lumps along the way. And look, I'll put my hand up in the air right now and I'll admit to it. On draft day, Bart, 
I thought the Bengals made a mistake taking Jamar Chase. I thought they would have been better served taking Penny Sewell. Take the tackle to be able to protect your franchise quarterback. Yeah. Well, hey, it's working out okay for them, I would say. Well, Jonah Williams, remember, they took him pretty high as a first-round draft pick, a left tackle from Alabama. He was injured. He's playing better. He stepped his game up. But everybody is, is, is able to play a lot better because, remember, last year Burrow was tearing the league up. He was just throwing the ball too much. Now they have balance because they're able to get that tight end. I always say his name wrong, Azuma. They keep getting there. They're able to get production from the tight end position. They got three good tight ends. So now they can can run the football. They, they let Giovanni Bernard go, but they're, they're able to hand it over to Joe Mixon, and he's just taking the baton. He's running running with it. He's a dual-threat guy. And now how do you – if you want to come after Joe Burrow, he has the arm and the football acumen to get rid of the football. Remember, this guy, even though he's only in his second year, is older than Lamar Jackson. Let that yep. sink in. He's in his second year, but he's older than Lamar Jackson. So he's a guy that has a tremendous amount of experience. He's been through a lot. And he has an electric arm. And I tell you what, man, he has great pocket presence. He's not a guy that's going to run away from you, but he's a guy that can buy time in the pocket. And he understands pass rushes. So, I mean, the Jets are going to have to put it all together because they're not going to feel sorry for the Jets. They're going to try and embarrass him again. He's mature beyond his years, beyond his NFL years, at least. Like you said, he's a little bit older than your average, you know, second-year quarterback or a rookie when he came into the league. The poise is what stands out to you more than anything else when you're looking at Joe Burrow. And Jets are going to have a test on Sunday, no doubt about that. The other game in the AFC yesterday, mm. Kansas City-Tennessee, which you thought was, hey, a couple of years ago, that's the AFC championship game. And the yeah. Jets fought Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Jets beat them. We know that at MetLife Stadium. But my goodness, I, I mean, that was as bad a performance as we've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe since Andy Reid has been there. I, I, no, I'm not surprised that Kansas City didn't win the game. I'm surprised how Tennessee won the game and to the extent that they beat them up. Well, Tennessee is 8-1 and one over the last nine contests against Andy Reid, right? You got to understand that the Tennessee Titans and what they represent is the physical style of football. And finally, we saw, we tried to figure out how were teams going to try and stop Derrick Henry? Well, they were able to load the box up and stop it, but guess what? He had A.J. Brown, who went for 133. He had Julio. So now you have two physical receivers in the back that you're going one-on-one -on -one against because now you're trying to roll the eighth man down in the box because King Henry's on pace for 2,200, 2,300 yards uh, rushing. So now you have to pick your poison, and, and Tannehill made him pay behind. And what we didn't expect was for this defense to stand up and be able to to, to, to neutralize the Kansas City Chiefs' explosive offense. But this Kansas City Chiefs' offense isn't the one that we're accustomed to seeing. This is a new offensive line, not as dominant as they were before. They don't have the cohesion or the continuity that's needed because there's a lot of good individual pieces, but they aren't particularly working well together, and they don't run the ball well, so they one decided. So if you see a guy like Mahomes struggling, you understand how important it is to be able to run the football and how good it is to play complementary football because he's pressing because that defense may be one of the worst historically defenses that we've seen in recent years. And that's saying a lot after we had to watch Dallas last year. No doubt about that. Dan Gross and Bart Scott here on Inside the Jets. Don't forget to get tickets to see the Jets host the Bengals on Sunday, October the 31st at 1 p.m. All fans in attendance will receive a free stealth black rally towel presented by Green Giant. Lock in your seats at nyjets.com slash tickets it's interesting too because you know you talk about kansas city now tennessee is doing their thing 
it's just another example, Bart, that there's so many twists and turns in an NFL season. And now we yeah. get an extra week of it here with the 17th game that what we thought we knew a few weeks ago now looks entirely different. And I guarantee you a month from now, what we think we know at this moment is probably going to look all much different when we get into like Thanksgiving time. So that's the beauty of the season. All these different storylines that are baked in with these teams. But what I like about football now is it's much like baseball. Who thinks they're close? And what are you willing to do and put put in to push your chips to the middle of the, of the table? Because you look at, you know, teams now are starting to make these trades. You saw the Cardinals last week make a trade for Zach Ertz because they feel like they're close. So they're all in. Like, so you have to ask yourself, am I a buyer or a seller? And that's something that the Jets are going to have to consider. That's something that, you know, you look at, like, right now, Kyle Fuller being out there. Baltimore Ravens missing Marcus Peters. They're missing a lockdown guy. And I, I know they wanted to promote from within with Averitt. But he's starting to get figured out, and teams are starting to attack him. And if they want to win that division, they're going to need a much better corner or upgrade. So you look at a guy like Fuller. Look at a guy like A.J. Boye out in um, Carolina because they have a bunch. They seemingly feel like they're all in. They're starting to be rumored to Deshaun Watson, you know what I mean, and being able to try and, and, and get more picks or try and trade for him. So, I mean, this thing is wide open. That's the beauty of the NFL and where it is. It's like everybody's still alive right now. It's all about what are you willing to mortgage in the future for the present success? No doubt about that. And as you said, trade deadline coming up on November the 2nd. We'll see what moves are going to be in store between now and then. And normally we don't get a lot of trades in season in the NFL, but this well, we year got, maybe a little bit different. Well, we've gotten a lot already. Just think, we got Stefan Gilmore already. We've got Zach Ertz. We got C.J. Henderson, McDonald. We've, we've got the trade uh, uh, for Jalen Smith, or Jalen Smith was released. Maybe not too many at the deadline. That's what I mean. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. earlier in the year, but not like baseball, for example, like yeah. right at the deadline. But you never know. I mean, this yeah, could la be la year. Last year, yeah, last year the Ravens with, um, um, I forget his ah, man, from uh, Minnesota, the pass rusher. You know, they they, they went all oh, in for uh, him. Close enough. It don't Gakwe, matter. Right? Yannick and Gakwe. Yeah, so they, they were all in with Yannick and Gakwe last year. So let's see. Like, I think it's going to be a little bit more active, but I'm excited to see it. No doubt about that. And the Jets will be back home, MetLife Stadium. We haven't had a lot of home games this year. This is going to be the third one, so still a lot of chances to see the Jets in front of their home crowd for the remainder of this season. Still seven more home games here, Barton. Hey, one good way to put last week's performance behind you, come out in front of the home fans and put a good showing up against a good Bengals team that is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Well, one thing the Jets can do is beat good teams. I mean, they got Tennessee on their belt. That's at, a, at the Cincinnati Bungles, and then we'll start streaking and just say, hey, listen, don't schedule us anybody that's below 500. We only want um, division leaders. And then a quick turnaround after that, the Colts on a Thursday night. So two games in a short amount of time. We'll see if the Jets are up to the task. Bart, great stuff as always, my friend. Have a happy Halloween. I know you're going to have a great costume, right? Yeah, I'm going as me, the Mad Backer. <laughs> Mad backer. Give him the candy. That's what he wants. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. Thanks for listening to Inside the Jets presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody.